Amen. Thank you, worship team. Good morning. It is so good to see you all this morning. And for those online, our faithful, uh, thank you for being here. I'm excited to be with you. Um, If I haven't got to introduce myself or we haven't met, my name is Nick. And man, I am really, truly blessed to be able to serve here at Solid Rock as a community pastor. And uh, very honored to be able to speak with you this morning. Um, We are actually starting a new series entitled Listen to the Music. Um, We just wrapped up one, so this is a new one. It's going to run for about four weeks. And so when we think about music, especially as believers and the church, we tend to start to think about worship music, right? We start to think about songs that we sing, about who God is, um, what he has done, his glory, his praise. And so we think about worship music, and Sunday mornings is our primary time where we gather together and worship But it's not just about the songs, right? It's not just about the worship moment. Um, When we think about worship, we really need to understand it's about the proclamation of God's word. And so worship really is the truth that is being spoken in preaching and reading. We see it often in prayer, but it's also super important in the words that we sing. And so what we're going to be doing over the next four weeks is looking at some of the songs that we're singing, specifically the ones that our worship team have written. And so what the worship team does is they spend a tremendous amount of time looking at the words that we sing in the songs. And because the theology that we sing, the words that we declare amongst each other and to each other, they matter. And so what we're going to do is kind of look at what that looks like, um, and, and look at the scriptures that inspire these songs that we are singing. And specifically today, we're going to be singing a new song at the end, and it's called In This Place. And so I'm really excited about this. I hope you're encouraged. I hope that you will look at the words that we sing in a whole different way, that we are singing the truths of God. And those words are so important. And so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, I'm really grateful for the book of Ephesians. It speaks to God's grace. It speaks to how he's transforming our lives. Um, It gives us practical ways of how to live biblically with one another as husband and wife, uh, parents to our children, in the community of the church. But we're going to be looking at chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at a specific uh, section of uh, verses, uh, verse 25, 26, and 27. Um, That's where we're going to spend our time. But if you'll allow me, let's start in verse 1 and two to kind of set things up for us as we dive in to what God is going to share with us this morning. So in Ephesians chapter five, this, this new identity that has been given to us is what Paul is talking to us about. And so let's look at this radical new identity starting in verse one. It says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So this one section, this one verse one, verse two, what he is calling us to do is to be imitators of God, to look like him, to walk like him, to in essence be this new identity that has been found in Christ. This is not new to us. This is something we have spoken many times here at Solid Rock in our community groups, redemption and discipleship, that we are made new because of what Christ has done. And so we are being called to be imitators of God. And what we 
we look at in the next few verses, and I'm just going to give you a synopsis of them, is he starts to list out what we have been saved from, what that old, that old identity was. He speaks about sexual immorality, impurity, uh, filthiness, foolishness, crude joking, coveting. He's saying all of these things that you once were a part of, he goes, you're no longer a part of it because those that are a part of this, that that's who you are, that's your identity, you're not inheriting the kingdom of God. So those who are in Christ, you now are imitators, not pretending you are now a new identity. We see that in Corinthians where Paul tells us that we're an old creation that has now been made new. So that old stuff, it's passing away. And so we need to look at this as a, as a calling and our new identity to be radically changed for Christ. So those of us who have this new identity, we have been saved, we are being redeemed, we are being sanctified so that we no longer look like the old, we look like the new. Amen? So if you've been at church for a while, or if you've been a believer, you've probably heard the phrase that you're not just saved from something, you're saved to something. I don't know if that's new to you or if that's the, something you've heard. I've heard it for a long time, and to be honest, it never hit me the way it was meant to hit. It was just like this cool little saying, you know, like, what would Jesus do? And like, you were saved from something to something. And what he's really talking about is that we are not just saved from our old lifestyle. We're not just saved from the sexual immorality. And we're not just saved from coveting. We're not just saved so that we can be high-functioning citizens, so that we can be successful business people, or that we can have thriving marriages, or just so we can have thriving parenthood. Like, that's not what we've been set up to do. We're not just out of this old nature so that we can have a good life and enjoy it to its fullest. There's something bigger. There's something that he is calling us to be a part of that you and I could not have fathomed, that you and I could not have envisioned, that you and I could not accomplish in our own self, and our own uh, strengths. We are being sanctified to someone, to something with a purpose. And that's why we're going to land in verse 25. Paul talks to us about the, the marriage, husbands and wives. We focus a lot on that, especially if you've been at a wedding, you've heard wives submit to your husbands, husbands sacrificially lead. And those are important, and it gives us an insight on how we should live in those relationships. But one of the things that we need to focus on is what he's really comparing and what he's helping us see in these earthly relationships, that he's pointing us to this final event that God is calling us to be a part of. So in verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. What we are seeing is that Paul more fully points the aim of Christ's uh, purpose is he is atoning, he is redeeming, he is saving the church. Why? To make her holy, to make her set apart without blemish, without spot. Think about this. We often know that the atonement that God's gospel is meant for us. We see it in Romans chapter 4 or Galatians 1 that God saved us from our sins. We see also in Galatians 2.20 where specifically he saved me or he saved you as an individual. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ that lives in me. 
We see in Romans 8 that it says that he died for us all, that he laid down his life. And those are all true, but in Ephesians chapter 5, what we really get to see for the first time, or at least explicitly, is that Christ sacrificially laid himself down for her, the church. The culmination, the community, the, those who have called on the name of Christ. That's the only definition that there is. It doesn't matter where you're from, what time period. It doesn't matter if race or creed. If you have placed your faith and trust in Christ Jesus and him alone for your salvation, you are the church. And his sacrifice, his laying down his life was for you, her, the bride. I'm so grateful for the fact that God has redeemed us, not just away from something, but he's redeeming us to something, something bigger than ourselves, something we cannot fathom. We think about that Jesus came in the world to take for himself a bride, that he laid down his life for her. And now the work of the Holy Spirit and by his word, he is purifying her. He is beautifying her and for himself. And if you look at the passage of 26 and 27, no one else has anything to do with her sanctification other than Christ. Nobody is presenting the church to God other than himself. And nobody is presenting the church to anyone else other than God himself. It is all about him. And the church is made for him. And he is working in us through his Holy Spirit, through his word. We look in passages and we know that the word is important because it's sharp, it's, it's effective, it cuts to the bone or cuts through the bone and it changes our life. We see that in his scriptures. But if you really look at what Christ is redeeming us and we think about the church, think about often historically in the New Testament how the church has been described. It's not always beautiful, is it? It's not always worthy to be a bride. It's not always worthy. Well, it's never worthy in our own strength. Issues with the church, we see that they were tolerating immorality and heresy. That they had abandoned their first love, who is Christ. That they were lukewarm or indifferent. And Christ says in scripture that I would rather just spit that out of my mouth. Be hot, be cold, but don't be indifferent. They were fighting and quarrelsome. This is the church. This is who he laid down his life for. That he's ultimately redeeming unto himself to be sanctified, to be holy, to be set apart. And we as believers are called to that. And so this aim that Christ has gave himself for the church. So at the end of the age that he might present her to himself in the splendor as a bride adorned for her husband. Um, this past year, uh, my wife and I celebrated 10 years of marriage. So some of you are like, wow, 10 years. That's awesome. That's a lot. Those are the young people getting into it. But it, to be honest, like 10 years is not that much. Like when I really think about it, like 10 years, we still feel like young kids trying to figure things out. And our kids are always a representation to remind me that I'm responsible for them. Right? So 10 years, like it has gone by so fast and I don't claim to have it all figured it out, figured out. A lot has happened. Our youngest just turned three. Our oldest is almost 10 a lot has happened. And when I think about the bride, I can still remember our wedding day. It doesn't feel that long ago. It feels a few pounds ago, but it doesn't feel that long ago. 
I remember we were in an Oklahoma at a rural church that my wife grew up in. And I remember this long auditorium, longer than this one, with all of our family and friends and standing up there with my groomsmen. And I remember Kate walking in wearing this beautiful white gown. First time I got to see it, first time I got to see her all dressed up like that. It was just this wonderful moment. I remember getting choked up. I remember just feeling the weight of the moment, like the, the impact that this was going to have on the rest of our lives. And it was this beautiful culmination of years of getting ready for marriage, at least our attempt to get ready for marriage. It was years of people pouring into our lives, hoping that we would have a foundation built on Christ and what that would look like for our marriage to be founded on that. It was years of spiritual discipleship that I could possibly lead my wife the way Christ leads the church. It was just this beautiful moment. I just remember seeing her covered in the white linens, the gown, and it was just breathtaking. Fun fact, she actually bought that before I proposed, so that was the, that was the culmination of all these moments. And I'll never forget it. It was meaningful. It was meaningful. And we think about the bride of Christ, that there will be no ugly spots, no lines of age or disfigurement on the appearance of the bride. The church has been redeemed holy and blameless. No blemishes, no spots. And all this is possible because Christ, our Savior, redeemed and sanctifies that which has been broken, that which has been lost. And we get to see this beautiful picture of what this is going to look like in the final times when this wedding ceremony begins. In Revelations 19, 6 through 9, we're going to see what God has been redeeming us towards. What, what we're seeing Paul write about in Ephesians chapter 5, that we are going to be a bride presented to the groom. And you have to understand that in biblical times, there was a betrothal period, right? Like you were given to yourself. It's like an engagement and during that engagement time is you were called to be faithful. You were called to make yourself ready for this wedding day. And so that's what you and I are in. Um, before we read Revelations, I just want us to rem remember the fact that we are still a work in progress. Like we just got done with our Light in the Darkness series and we got to hear these wonderful, beautiful testimonies of where God met people. And we saw these individual stories of God's redemption happening in their lives. But here's the thing, those stories are connected to you and I. God's story of redemption in your life is connected to the person sitting next to you, connected to the person sitting across the aisle from you. They're gonna be connected to the people who will be sitting in your place in the next service, the next week, in the next year, and maybe even 50 years. Because there's this huge story of redemption that God is bringing all of these chosen people, those who put their faith and trust in him, to be his bride, to be his church, to be spotless, to be blameless. And we cannot see ourselves as individuals in a church. The building and the location is not what binds us together. It is Christ who binds us together. And think about how that impacts your everyday life. Like it's not just about, did my family do well today? But what does our family represent? We represent a part of this eternal church. We represent a part of this bride that God is redeeming unto himself. We represent a time in history of the church 
that God has started and has sustained because he has this purpose for. And so when we think about this place, let's not think about a building. Let's not think about the new building. This place, the church, the bride, is the body of Christ. When we gather together in community groups, we represent the church. When we gather as families around God's word, we represent the church. And our stories of redemption are tied to each one of us. And I pray this morning that that would be impactful, that the redemption is not just within your family row, but the row before you and behind you, the one that's going to be sitting in it next time. We are all in this together for a very specific purpose. So in Revelations 19 and verse 6, we get to see a glimpse, a vision from the the, uh, disciple John who wrote Revelations. And he says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, uh, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen and bright, pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, there, these are the true words of God. Don't you see like this beautiful picture of the multitude of voices crying out, hallelujah. The Lord God Almighty reigns. Just in this verse alone, the words we sing matter. The words we sing, like this is the culmination of the words we've been singing. That this final time the church would be called as the bride. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. We see the bride has made herself ready. And we see that when the bride is made ready, like all those old things have finally, they're past. We're no longer considered the prostitute the ones who were quarrelsome, the ones who were lukewarm. We were made ready. We have not abandoned our first love. We now have arrived to meet our first love. We see this also in Revelations 21, 1 and 2. And it says, When I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven, and the first earth had passed away, And the sea was no more, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Church, our everyday lives is a part of the story of being sanctified, being part of this bride that will be holy and set apart. When we think about goals for the year, when we think about future vision, man, maybe we have this in our mind that we get to be a part of this beautiful story of being made the bride of Christ, holy and blameless, set apart, without blemish, without spot. It's a wonderful thing to be able to set in this and realize it's bigger than us. 
that the church has existed before us and Lord willing, it's going to, it's going to exist after us until he calls us home in this final moment. I think about my marriage and I think about how much I would protect that with everything that I have. From my sins inside the marriage to outside threats as well. And how much more does our Heavenly Father do that for us? And so we have this wonderful opportunity to glorify the Lord with our lives, with all of our being, with all of our thoughts, our actions, our words, to resemble Him in everything. Remember, we read that in verse 1 and 2, be imitators of Christ. This begins by asking whether we seek after our own goals or the will of God. As believers, we've been called to allow Jesus to live his life through us so that others can be saved. And that's just what we must do. When you are walking in redemption, and when people see the old peeling off, and you're able to name it for what it is, and name that God has given you grace and forgiveness and healing from something, it's going to attract those who are seeking after the Lord. When we live as the bride of Christ, those that are seeking, we're just like we just got done, the light in the darkness. Those who are looking and seeking after the guns that got the ones that God is stirring their hearts and affections unto himself. We get to be a part of that. And so my hope and my prayer um, as we think about Ephesians and as we get ready to sing this song, I, my hope and my prayer is that we would have this big vision of this time where we become the wedding, uh, the bride of this wedding that God has been working and doing for a long time with a great purpose. And so this song that the worship team has written is called In This Place. And when it's speaking about in this place, it's speaking about the body. When the body is together, this place, like it's a prayer that God would continue to redeem that which has been broken. That God would mend and break chains for those who are caught in them. Now I just want to read you one of the verses and part of the chorus as we get ready to sing that. And the worship team will come up and lead us in that. And as the worship team does that, I just want to encourage you in this. If you feel led to sing, sing. It's a new song. It's okay. If you feel led to let this wash over you, let it wash over you. If you feel led to stand, stand. If you feel led to set, set. But the biggest thing I want to leave with you is meditate on the words that we have said today through God's word. And look at how this song is a reflection of a prayer for those things to happen. That in this place... It says, you're forever changing lives here in this place. Blind eyes are open to your amazing grace and heavy chains are broken in this place. Redeemed to live in freedom, thankful hearts proclaim. May the praise from our lips be the song of our hearts and may our voices reflect your light in the dark. May this place be filled with your praises, Lord. As we lift our hearts to you, you are wonderful, you are magnified, and to you all the praise is due. Church, when we think about what God is doing, 
when we think that we as believers have been invited into this redemption, the sanctification, to be set apart, to be holy and blameless, to then be brought into this wedding day as this beautiful bride for himself that only he has done and only he can do and only he deserves. It is an amazing thing. And so as we get ready to sing, I pray that this would be a song of prayer that you would realize that the church is much bigger than just the individual. It is a culmination of all those that God is working in and through. Let's pray and we will have an opportunity to respond. Father, we do come before you and just grateful for the fact that God, you were the first to love, that you loved completely and perfectly. You love sacrificially and your love is constant and pure like you've never withheld it. You've never changed it. There's no room for it to grow because it is at its most. Father, we can rest in the fact that what you say you're going to do, you will do. You have called us to be imitators of you, to reflect you. You have ultimately called us to be your bride, to be your church to be used for your glory and to those around us that they would see your love as our heavenly father and future husband. So Lord, let us pray this and sing this in this place.